Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your hosts, Jim and Chuck. And Chuck, this is the reason why we call our podcast the ultimate fandom. Because we have an absolutely packed episode this week. This week. Talk, we have a trailer to review in the trailer park. We're going to go to the newsroom, and we're going to talk about all that stuff. We've got some comic book talk that we're going to have. We're going to do some My Pick of the Weeks. And then we got a TV review. And I think, I believe, we are touching on almost every single fandom in one episode this week. I'm going to say every fandom, but... All, I mean, listen, we're talking DC, Star Wars, Marvel, Harry Potter... We're going to hit Batman. We're going to do some Vertigo. We've got Dark Horse. Okay, we're, yeah, we're maybe. touching as many as we possibly can. We just didn't touch any Star yeah. Trek today, but we're D&D, and we're not going to ever touch <laughs> D&D after our cursed episode last week, which we apologize for to all of our listeners out there. Uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we will release it in the near future. But, Chuck, we have a huge episode, and I don't want to waste any time. Let's just get right into the trailer park. We've got a trailer for Godzilla vs. Yeah. King Kong. Or Godzilla versus Kong. It's not he's not King anymore. I think he's just Kong. So it's Godzilla versus Kong. Stacked cast, like absolutely yeah. stacked cast. Millie Bobby Brown, Alexander Skarsgård, Isaac Gonzalez. Uh, who else is in it? Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Julian Dennison, Lance Reddick, Kyle Chandler. We know that um, our girl Vera Famiga <laughs> not gonna be yeah. in it because she's gone. But what did you think of this trailer? Because I'll tell you, and I've said this before, the last few movies have catfished me. Where they bring me in with this beautiful shot trailer, just like this one. Beautiful imagery, fantastic cast, and then I'm like, oh wait, you're not what I signed up for. You're a movie that features the monsters maybe five minutes of the entire two-hour movie that I'm watching. I'm hoping that this isn't the same because we're looking like we got, obviously we've got King Kong, we've got Godzilla, we've got King Kong who's now 30 feet bigger than he was, maybe even 300 feet bigger. Yeah, I think it was, I seen something online and it was significantly, like, he was a couple hundred feet bigger than he he was in uh, the 70s. So he ate his Wheaties and he, he got big in the past 50 years. Yeah, he was about 20 shacks in Kong Skull Island and now he's about 48 shacks he's enormous so this trailer comes out it's been out for a while what did you think of it I'm a fan of these movies I know they're not great but they're good popcorn flicks the one thing I was kind of I'm not weirded out but like felt like I was missing a lot was the little girl like the little girl, and it was like, oh, she has a connection with Kong. And, like, it just seems like a lot of stories missing with that. Yeah, do you think that the little girl is going to be one of the, the tribes people that we saw in Kong Skull Island? It doesn't look like it. It looks like she's in, you know, because in Skull Island, like, they were very indigenous. It, yeah, but that was, like, 40 years ago. Rebecca Hall has seemed to adopt this little girl, but kept her in, like, her tribal wear throughout the whole no, I, I, I don't know. I It just seems like when they were saying that, and I'm like, well, where did this little girl come from? Where did, like, I don't know. Like, I'm hoping they explain that because it seems like a big part of the story. But, like, like I said, like, Kong happened, you know, quote, unquote, 50 years ago. And they never talked about him at all until now. 
that's huge. And you and I have been on the fence with this. Well, not on the fence. I've been a proponent yeah. of Kong deserved the sequel before Kong versus Godzilla because Godzilla got two stories to tell about his coming to age movie. And then Kong only got one, and we haven't seen Kong for 40-some years. And I'd always thought, like, oh, why is he so big? And I would go back to John C. Riley's character, who said, the funny thing is, he's still growing. Yeah. So it, the Easter eggs are there, and the trailer looks great. The cast looks great. It does look like it's going to be spotty, because you are gonna you have to tell Godzilla's story. you got to tell Kong's story. you got to tell... Alexander Skarsgård's story. You got to tell Millie Bobby Brown and Julian Dennison's story. Then there's Kyle Chandler's story, and then oh wait, you got to tell Mechagodzilla's story because he's in it. Yeah. So there's so much going on. I don't know if this is like, you know, it's the Hatfields versus the McCoys is what we got. Godzilla and Kong have always had this beef from day one. So maybe Godzilla spawns from the the skull crawlers, but I I don't think that's real. Do you think they team up at some point, or is this a battle to the end? I think it's a battle to the end. I, to me, it's got very Batman versus Superman vibes. Oh, what if their their mother's name was Martha? It probably is. Could you imagine? I just I just feel like it's very rushed, uh, like Batman versus Superman. I like like you said, like Kong deserved a sequel. So did Man of Steel. I I, I kind of feel like that. Like they had this end game, quote unquote end game that they wanted to do, and they're rushing it. Like take your time. Show Kong in the in the seventies. Show him not you know twenty years later, maybe when people are trying to colonize Skull Island and you know stuff like that. Like I don't know, but I just feel like it's a big rush to go from you know at the end of Kong Skull Island made you seem like that there was a sequel because at the very end in the end credit scene showed Monarch and with Brie Larson and. Tom Hiddleston, and they were like, oh, yeah, there's more monsters, blah, 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 blah. It was Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which was the sequel, yeah. where they just mentioned him, like, yeah, there's he's there, but we don't know what's going on with him. The thing about this whole series is that it's different directors each time telling a story. Yes. You know what I mean? This one is now, what's his name? Um, Brad Wingard, or Adam Wingard, right? And mm-hmm. he's made some good movies. He's made, like, some cult movies. He's made VHS, VHS 2, which have been... Pretty good on the Rotten Tomatoes scale. But then, like, his commercial ones, he did uh, Blair Witch, and that got 37 on the tomato meter. Death Note, uh, which may be one of the worst adaptations of any anime, got uh, 38%. He did the the guest. That got a 91%. But, like, the the trend between his movies is that critics either love him or hate him, and the audience don't like it as much as the critics do. regardless of any rating whether it's fresh or rotten so it's it's a very warner brothers move and i know warner brothers and lionsgate are the parent companies of this film so they're just giving everybody a chance to tell their stories i'd rather it have been just gareth edwards or whoever did the first one and just tell your entire story from godzilla all the way to this movie and that would have been it that was your trilogy or your quadruple movie i don't know quadrilogy yeah uh gareth edwards did do the first godzilla because yeah, I would have liked him to do all of them. He was he was a nobody. He did like a very like fan not fan made but very low budget horror f- monster film, and then he got Godzilla, then he got Rogue One, and then we haven't heard from him since. I I am excited to see it. I'm not mad that I'm gonna watch it at home. Yeah, and it already got delayed. 
Yeah. Like, they released a trailer and are like, come into HBO Max very soon. And you're like, yeah. And then it's like, oh, wait, it's delayed two weeks. And it comes to HBO Max, which brings us to some more stuff because we've got a lot of HBO Max that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, Titans, last yes. week, casted Savannah Welch as Barbara Gordon. We knew she was coming. We knew that Scarecrow was going to be coming. We knew that Jason Todd was going to eventually turn to Red Hood. We were all excited for that. And then they hit us with uh, Jay Lycurgo, who is going to be playing one of the face-painted punks in Robert Pattinson's The Batman. He's coming along as the first live-action appearance of Tim Drake. Yeah. So we are finally at Robin number three. And uh, all is right in the world. So what do you think about Savannah Welch and Jay Lykerga, who seem to be newcomers to both of us, at least, I think, getting these uh, superhero moments? Yeah, that's that's great. You know, we talk about all the time for actors getting their superhero moments. Can't really judge them because, one, I've never seen either of them at all. Never heard their name. Never. Uh, she seems to have done a little more than uh, than him, but, you know, not by much. But, you know, very fresh faces. That's kind of like what DC or um, Titans has done. They get a couple, you know, recognizable people, no one big, and then they cast fresh faces. So, yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I don't know where they're going with the Commissioner Barbara Gordon route. Yeah. Because that's usually like further down the line and she's like in her 60s. But, uh, and I don't think that they could go Oracle route. Maybe they're kind of alluding to something more tragic happening to Barbara Gordon and playing into the fact that uh, Sarah uh, Savannah Welch is a an amputee. She lost her leg in an accident. So maybe they're going to use that as post-killing joke, and now she's able to walk and post-Batgirl. I don't know. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens. I don't think that uh, Scarecrow has been casted yet, although I would love to see Robert England play Scarecrow. Oh, that would be awesome. You know, he's working on Stranger Things. Maybe they bring him into this. That would be fantastic. But I'm excited. More casting news means that we're getting closer to production, which means that we're going to get closer to a release date. And this is going to be the first season on HBO Max, so we'll see if the production value goes up or if it stays the same. Either way, uh, I'm a fan of this show. I'm looking forward to season three, and uh, we'll keep keep an eye on it. That's going to be our next after show once that – you know, I don't know what Titan Tuesdays or something, but TMTM. (laughs) But let's keep going with HBO Max with more Batman stuff. HBO Max is working on a sequel to the animated Batman series, which if anybody's listened to our podcast, they know that, number one, Kevin Conroy is our Batman. Yeah. We've met him. We've interviewed him. Go check that interview out. And we love him. We know that Mark Hamill is one of the ultimate jokers. We talked about this and... In the meantime, between losing an episode and coming to this episode, I had watched the finale of the Batman animated series. And season three ends with Batman kicking Joker into a smokestack, right? And Mm -hmm. Gotham and Batman thinking that the Joker's dead. Harley Quinn, who had been kicked out of a building, was presumed dead by the Joker as well. She turns to, she ends up going to Arkham and she sent flowers by Mr. J, right? So in my mind, the sequel could pick up with new villains trying to take their claim to the king of gotham underworld while harley's still trying to find mr j what do you think could happen because we had talked about this and you said it could go right day after and i agree i think it could go day after what do you think i haven't watched the the finale in years yeah so i'm glad that you watched it and at least one of us know what was going on with the end but i talked about this on the last 
episode, like with animated, you can go day one or uh, yeah. the day after because you know you're talking about voice actors. Kevin Conroy, we want him back. I don't. I'm not on board if he's not in it. Like if if he's not in it, I'm. I don't care. I think he'll be in it. I don't think you develop a sequel to a a fan favorite series with fan favorite yeah. actors, all, most of which are either still living and haven't been canceled. Then you can just go into it and say, "All right, we're going to do this." I think that this is it's almost certain that they're going to return if the money's right. You know, I think that would be the only thing if money's right. Yeah, I mean, and and the fact that you know, one, it was on Fox before, and now it's yeah. HBO Max, so maybe they can go a little darker as well. Yeah. You know, not like spawn animated dark, but I'd like it to be a healthy medium between the original animated series and Harley Quinn that we got now. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want it to be what Harley Quinn is because I don't think it will be because that's not Batman. Yeah, you know, and Diedrich Bader, great Batman for that show. Yeah, I'm a little worried that if Kevin Conroy. Is like, ah, oh, let me think about it. They're just gonna go right to Diedrich Bader, and he's great, like you said. Yeah. But I would, I, it would be a deal breaker without Kevin Conroy. Yeah. It would be cool just setting up the way. Had the ending not gone with Harley Quinn saying that Mister J was a an angel rather than a son of a bitch, it would have been cool to kind of do a a kind of crossover with that with Harley Quinn because she kind of went on her own after the Joker, kind of did her dirty. And it would be cool to kind of bring that into everything, but you can't mix like Y7 with TVMA. I don't think no. that that works at all. So that's why I say healthy median. If you want to do a crossover, maybe you set it 10, 20 years later in the future, and that's where you have the crossover. But I don't know. It's still in the early, early production. All I can say is I'm happy about it, and it's good news for for us nostalgic kids here. Oh, I'm excited. You know, I'm. Every time I do the podcast, I have Kevin Conroy staring at me. You know, I couldn't be when I found this out. I couldn't be more excited. So, it's it's exciting news, and we've got more exciting news as what could be the best franchise in all of filmmaking. Harry Potter is also rumored to be getting a live action series at HBO Max too, and little known about this other than the fact that it's in the early stages. I'm gonna hit you with a, a couple options, and you tell me wh- where you think about it. A cursed Child could definitely be in play. Yep. They, they could do a lot with Harry, Ron, Hermione's kids, their stories, and you could have Harry, Ron, and Hermione show up in the series. And I think that that would be cool for like people who are hoping for Harry Potter's next chapter. Or they could do an early story, a prequel of, of sorts, that's centered around Lily, James, Snape, Sirius, Peter Pettigrew, and all the rest of the Marauders. I think that, that would be amazing. So out of those three... What do you think about those ideas? The first thing I thought was Cursed Child. Yeah. When, when I thought of it because, you know, obviously it's not going to be a reboot. I'm, I would be – I would bet a lot of money on it's not a reboot because it would make no sense. But I don't – I'm not except – I'm not against a Cursed Child, which would be a sequel. And I'm not against your thoughts of a prequel either because we've seen Fantastic Beasts, which is somewhat sequel – kind of separate story more of a prequel because it's pre i'm sorry not prequel sequel yeah it's definitely a prequel because yeah dumbledore is sexy yeah no it's it's definitely a prequel but it's it's a separate story but where the marauders would be kind of a closer to harry potter so i either way i'm i'm happy 
you know, the only thing I wouldn't be happy with would be a reboot. And I really don't think that's going to happen. No, I think they'd be stupid to reboot this. Totally. I think stupid. that they, yeah, it would alienate everybody who's a core fan. Because, yeah. you know, Universal made an entire park, two parks about centered around Harry Potter and Hogwarts. And if you just kind of retcon all that and say, like, oh, well, that never happened. Like, none of those guys have, like, they're kid actors and none of them have done anything terrible. You know what I mean? That yeah. would be like, oh, we got to distance ourselves from Harry, from Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, and Emma Watson. If anything, they tried to help their communities and they've bolstered their careers. So I think a, a spinoff or a reboot would be ridiculous oh ridiculous totally and you know they can kind of even though some people hate what happened do what star wars did star wars never rebooted anything they just continued stories so granted a lot of people don't like those stories but they they didn't say we're gonna reboot you know the whole star wars franchise we're going to continue and that's what harry potter needs to do either continue or tell past stories yeah and i would like to see um director not explore Christopher Columbus come back and show run this. Yeah, I mean, obviously he did, did what he directed the first two, and he's produced all of them, I believe. Yeah, and he uh, said he wanted to do more. So here's your chance, Chris. Go out there. He's still making movies and still doing stuff. So why not? Yeah, yeah. He, if if the passion's there, do it. Yep, for sure. Let's move from HBO Max and let's go to another part of the streaming family and we're going to go to netflix and the sandman cast has been revealed and i feel like we just talked about this a few weeks ago maybe our last full episode that gwendolyn christie was being casted she was rumored well we've got our our casting uh, a whopping six seven people Mm -hmm. a few of which we know a few of which we don't Uh, gwendolyn christie may be the most polarizing casting uh based on who she is because a lot of people are out there and i'll talk about that in a minute we got Tom Sturridge, who's playing the Dream, which is the Lord of the Dreaming. We've got Gwendolyn Christie, who is playing Lucifer, ruler of hell. Now, if you remember, I said I think she was going to be a gender-bent version of the Corinthian. Not too far off. No. Nah. Then we got Vivian Achem Pong, is uh, Lucian, the librarian of the Dreaming. We've got everybody's favorite baddie, also from Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Charles Dance, as Roderick Burgess who is a charlatan and magician. Got Boyd Holbrook, who I thought was going to be super popular. Yeah. After after Logan and really didn't do much. He's going to play the Corinthian, and I'm pumped for this because the Corinthian is probably my favorite character besides Constantine and, and Dream and, and Lucifer. So I'm very excited for this. He's playing the Corinthian, who is an escaped nightmare. We got Asim Shadori is playing Abel, the first victim. And we got Sanjeev... A boxcar who's playing Cain, the first predator, Cain and Abel from the Bible. So you're getting those characters. What do you think of this casting for Neil Gaiman's Netflix live adaptation of Lucifer? And oh, by the way, the audiobook that I've listened to in October, Solid, got renewed for two more seasons, and I'm stoked. What do you think? The cast, you know, the people that I know, they're good. You know, obviously, Grinning with Chris Lee, Charles Dance. And um, our boy Boyd, Boyd, yeah, and and I even have on my notes like you thought he was gonna be big because we just talked about this not so long ago. How you thought? I think it was a couple weeks ago, and you were like, "Yeah, I really thought he was gonna be big." And yeah, I recently watched him in something, and I was like, "He's gonna be amazing." 
the last thing that I saw him in was in the Robert Rodriguez We Are Heroes. That's what I saw him in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, he, he didn't do much. He did no, Predator, not a... and he did that movie, and I'm like, oh, there was so much there for him. But maybe maybe he gets another Marvel or DC moment. Yeah. You know, Charles Dance always pops up in everything, seems like. Yeah, I mean, he's a world-class actor. Yeah. Like, any role you put him in, he's amazing, and he's going to be fantastic. Also, I kind of wanted to touch on this because we talked about the Godzilla. He's not in the sequel, and uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong. And what the weird thing is, is they had that huge moment at the end of, it was an end credit scene at the end of King of the Monsters, and now he's not even in it. So it's like I think he's going to show up. I hope so. As of right now, I don't see him on the on the list, but I think it's a spoiler moment, and I kept. They think they kept him out. Okay, I'll be happy because with I feel that. like I feel like that's who Millie Bobby Brown and Julian Dennison are looking for, as they're they look as they're driving through what seems to be South America. I think they're looking for Monarch. Good for explanations I'm, about her her mother. I I hope so because that would be a a weird way to put it at the end credit scene and then forget it ever happened. But anyway, yeah. yes, yeah, it would. And then the, you know, Kane, Abel, and Lucian, I've never seen or heard of them. So good for them getting a Netflix show when Netflix normally does pretty well. So I'm sure I get a lot of exposure. So, Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of things that are at play here. A lot of people are upset about Gwendolyn Christie being cast as Lucifer because of Tom Ellis. Yeah. That, that Lucifer is based off of Neil Gaiman's Lucifer who spawned out of Sandman. However, the creative liberties they took to make that series what it is now is nowhere near what lucifer is in the comics and in the stories so i that makes sense a lot of people are now saying like well if you're bringing in these characters why can't tom um edgerton be constantine like he is in the the picture or in the not the picture in the um the audio version yeah i'd be fine with that but i read a rumor that Neil Gaiman is super high on Matt Ryan's version of Constantine and wants to bring him on. I'd be fine with that. I, I mean, me too. Like, get him off of Legends, get him out of the CW, and put him on something where he can totally shine. And I think that would be perfect. You have you have Constantine, who is, that version of Constantine is absolutely built for this version of Neil Gaiman, Sandman. And you have Gaiman in, in charge of Constantine. Oh my god. The ropes are off, man. It it would be amazing. And we've, we've talked about this all the time. We're a big fan of Matt Ryan as Constantine, but not his version of Constantine on the CW because they are totally dropping the ball with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding trying to talk about Legends because it's so <laughs> frustrating. But I'm excited for Sam, man. Yeah, me too. Again, more casting means... We're closer to production and we're closer to a release, so we will continue to monitor that. Let's go to Disney Plus for our last two bits of news. We've got Black Panther getting a spinoff series, which is hot off the press. This came out this Monday as we recorded this, and it's going to be centered around the kingdom of Wakanda. Ryan Coogler is attached to it. It's going to explore the mythos of Wakanda. It's going to be fantastic, and it's in con- in conjunction with Disney Plus and his picture company, Proximity Pictures. So you hear this news. What do you think? I didn't hear this until you told me about five minutes before we recorded. I like the idea. I just actually watched Black Panther yesterday. It, it is a good movie. So I'm, I'm okay with exploring Wakanda because there's so much you can do with it. You can go to the different tribes. You can, you know, there's so many different characters that you can explore. I would love to explore more M'Baku because I think he was great. I'm going to hit you with one thing because I think that this could be a great jumping off point. 
Okay. This is where you introduce Storm. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. This is where you introduce Storm because I feel like you know you have Nakia who could be great as the lead. It, you could have Nakia and the Dora Milaje running the show, but yeah. I don't think that that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to explore deeper. It's going to explore like Wakabi's ver- like his part of Wakanda where you know he's the border tribe. They're going to explore that. They're going to I don't even think they even touch Ombaku. I think he's more of the movie. You know what I mean? This is just going to give you so much more. And I think if you can in- introduce Storm, oh my god, be fantastic. Yeah, uh, you know, she has such a big part and unfortunately, you know, she can't do be married to Black Panther like in the comics because she T'Challa. Could be. Well, no, T'Challa's no more. So Well, this version of T'Challa is no more. Well, they can't they're not going to recast him. They're not going to recast him, which brings me to the next topic, Chuck. Brings me to Michael B. Jordan. He said he would love to return to Black Panther if asked. Black Panther has a big problem right now yeah. because of the untimely death of our king, Chadwick Boseman. There's many things you can do here. The right choice is giving Shuri the Black Panther suit mm-hmm. that she's earned and that in the comics it happens. They could go with your boy, Mumbaku, and he could be the biggest Black Panther yeah. I've ever seen. Like he's the a, buffest Black Panther. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. Or... They could bring Killmonger back. Now, if they bring Killmonger back, I have a couple theories. The obvious theory is that they could resurrect him. No bot. We didn't see his body drift off into the sea like he said he wanted it to, right? So, no body, not really dead, right? We've learned that. But given what's happening in the universe, the multiverse is at play. So, what if through Doctor Strange Madness in the multiverse, they wind up in a Wakanda setting where yeah. T'Challa is no more as in our world and Eric Killmonger had become Black Panther and it's not the version that we know from Black Panther so they bring a new Killmonger into Wakanda to lead to mentor Shuri for her time as Black Panther I'll tell you off the bat nothing against your theory I hate it only because I do not like Michael B. Jordan Okay, sexiest man alive. You realize that? I don't care. You're polarizing our audience right now. I and I and I've been vocal. Like, I've I've never been a fan of him at all. I remember the first time I saw him was in House, and he had his bit part. And from the jump, I was like, I don't like this guy. I don't know what it. You know, he is a good actor. He was great as Killmonger. I just didn't like him in it. So, I mean, when it said like he would he would be ready if asked, of course. You know, it's it's who wouldn't want another Disney Marvel paycheck? Uh, uh, Terrence Howard. <laughs> Terrence Howard doesn't want a Marvel paycheck. Uh, they don't want to give him a paycheck anymore. Let's stick to the theory and not your hatred of Michael B. Jordan. If they needed a Black Panther and they didn't want to go with Shuri, and they need they feel like that they pulled the trigger too quick on Killmonger, the multiverse is the ultimate retcon button. Yeah, it, it totally is. And that's where Storm can be married to this version of Black Panther. Is it an awful idea? No. Uh, not at all. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I want Shuri more, only because it actually does happen in the comics. And I feel they don't have a lot of female heroes right now. So, why not? And, sh- and um, was it Letitia Wright, I believe, right? Yes, Letitia Wright. Uh, she's great as Shuri, so I would love if she took the Black Panther pantle. I just think that I think that there's a lot of stuff that has gone on in the MCU that could 
make it seem like they've rushed that process. You know what I mean? She's, what, 16 years old in the show or in the movie. Her brother, we don't know how they're going to address no. the, the death of Chadwick Boseman. But her brother's gone. She was blipped. So, like, where is she spending all this time doing martial arts and learning how to be the Black Panther? You know, at least, you know, she's techie, but T'Challa was a warrior. So Mm -hmm. he had that natural instinct, whereas Shuri did not have that natural instinct. So she's going to need a mentor. And I could see this movie, if they bring back Killmonger, he could be another version of the Black Panther through the multiverse, train her for the entire movie, and at the end, he goes right back through the multiverse. And then Shuri is the Black Panther. No, it totally works. It's just what will they do? It's it. It's the ultimate, like, we don't know what we're going to do. And they're moving forward, which is great. It's just where do they go from here? Yes. We don't know because we're not working for Marvel. Maybe one day because we know they're listening. But let's go to my pick of the week, Struck, because I have a few. We've got one from Image, which is called Deep Beyond. And it is... In a underpopulated future Earth devastated by the dire consequences of the Millennium Bug, the survival of mankind and maybe the planet itself is handled by a small number of people, talented scientists who, despite their adverse situation and the stupid feuds that continue to divide the small number of people still alive, try to understand and study what is hidden in the depths of the abyss. Something mysterious and dangerous which could eventually cause an even worse and more destructive catastrophe. The 100 meets low with a hint of Death Stranding. In this brand new sci-fi thriller series from acclaimed uh, creator Mirka Andolfo from Unnatural and Mercy, teaming up with writer David Goy and rising star artist Andrea Bracardo, who did uh, Star Wars Dr. Aphra, which is great, and Empire X-Men, which is okay, and colorist Barbara Nozenzo from The Ballad of Halo Jones. Sounds like another movie. Yeah, it, it totally does. When you were saying it, I was like, yeah, this could totally be a movie. It sounds good, though. Uh, of all the image ones I've read, this one sounds probably one of the best so far. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. I like the future punk, and I like to. And Death Stranding is that video game with Norman Reedus, so I'm curious to see it, so I'm definitely going to check it out. This is a pick of the week, but this is something that. I'm not going to pick up this one right here. It's called Avengers Mech Strike. I saw the artwork. I saw the picture. And then I read the premise. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not reading this. But it's by Jed McKay and Carlos Magno. And Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers as we know, the Avengers are confronted with an unstoppable new menace, one that is seemingly impervious to their every strength. But the Avengers aren't so beaten. And when new threats arrive, powerful new, new tools must be brought to bear. Join the Avengers as they battle a brand new enemy and begin a deadly game of chess with a shadowy mastermind. Have you seen the pictures for this? No, I have not. It looks like every single Avenger <laughs> got a Transformer. Oh. Yeah, I'll send you a picture of it. It's it's definitely geared more towards kids, but it's like Marvel's newest launch this week's, and they're pumped about it. So I don't know what they were thinking when they did this. I think it's 100% a toy grab. Probably. But I'll send you the picture. It looks crazy. And then my final one for DC before we get into what's coming out for Future State. Uh, we got Man Bat number one, which is as soon as I saw that, I'm like, yes, sign me That's up. That's awesome. For years, Kirk Yeah, for years, Kirk Langstrom has struggled with his monstrous alter ego, Man Bat, and the serum that transformed him. But he's finally hit rock bottom 
following a devastating setback, and he's going to take his anger out on every single citizen in Gotham City. Will the combined might of Batman and the GCPD be enough to stop Langstrom once and for all? Or will it just be the start of Man-Bat's devastation? I love Bat. I love Man-Bat. I love him in Justice League Dark. Yeah. He was the weirdest character to ever put in Justice League Dark besides Detective Chimp Bobo. But this is this is something I'm getting. Are you going to get this as you are a uh, obscure comic collector like myself? Probably. I mean, like you said, Man-Bat is great in uh, Justice League Dark. I, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll pick this up. Uh, this yeah, I think it's a one in five. So it's a little little mini series, which is always great, given these huge series like DC Future State, which is out now. Uh, we're about a month in, and this week they have Harley Quinn, Swamp Thing, Superman of Metropolis, Flash, and Wonder Woman number two, and the next Batman number three coming out. So if you're still reading that, even after what we're about to say about it, you can pick those up. So let's go into the comic book talk, and we'll start with DC Future State. Yeah. We're one month in. We're in week four. Of all the books, all the number ones have come out. Yes. The next Batman is on its third, which is unheard of because now everyone else is getting their second. But I guess when you're pushing Batman, you just continuously push it. My first reaction to DC Future State was an eh. There's a lot of misses if we're playing baseball. Mm -hmm. They've struck out more times than they've hit a single. Yeah, I, I have to agree on that. The problems I have, and I, I'm going to continue buying these, but I'm not going to buy every single one of them because I don't like half the stories. And maybe that's just my taste, but there's not a lot of connectivity, number nah. one. You're introducing all these new characters who, at this point, don't seem to be going anywhere. And then, and I know we're already like issue one into these, but you're also introducing characters who were already presumed dead. So there's two Bruce Wayne storylines there's mm -hmm. two Clark Kent storylines three Clark Kent storylines I'm sorry three Clark Kent storylines there's another Batman running around there's a dead Bruce Wayne who is now back you know there's two wonder three Wonder Womans which you have Diana Prince Yara Floor who Yara Floor is getting her show I have hopes for that Nubia awesome artwork some of the best comic book artwork that I've ever seen but when I'm reading these books, which some of them are coming with a high price tag, and their secondary and tertiary stories are better than the original story, the first story, yeah. I'm a little concerned. And we know that this is all building to this infinite frontier in, in March, but are you on the same side of the fence as DC, uh, as me with DC Future State? Yeah, it's very uh, underwhelming, to, to say the least, because I haven't read everything that you have, but I've read a lot. There's a few, like a handful of titles that I didn't pick up, like Catwoman, Harley Quinn. Catwoman is good. Of the ones that you got, Catwoman and Harley Quinn are actually pretty good. Honestly, my favorite so far is Shazam. Yeah, Shazam's a good title. That's a that's top five. And really, like the next Batman is closer to the bottom for me. Like you said, the side storylines, like the Arkham Knights, a lot better. Yeah, the Arkham Knights were really cool. Even the artwork's better in that one. I do, I do like the next Batman though. That's that's where we we're, we're on opposite sides. That's like top one of the tops for me. I like the storyline. I like the identity of the new Batman. I don't want to spoil anything, but I like yeah. the identity of the new Batman. But it's not number one. We know number one is Teen Titans for me. Yeah, and mainly because of you know the last panel. That ex that final panel. 
And the covers are fantastic. All the Nightwing Robin stuff is really good. Robin Eternal is great. Nightwing is great. Um, are you surprised? Like, are you surprised that the Bat family is getting the, the best treatment? You know what I mean? Like, Well, I like that stuff better than the next Batman and the and the Dark Detective. Yeah, but they're folk – like, we know that Nightwing is getting a huge story coming out of this with Tom Taylor, who's yeah. like DC's like one of their top three writers. Mm-hmm. And he's going to take a stab at Nightwing, which is going to be great. We're getting a Tim Drake storyline, which is awesome, and I feel like that's more of a – Warner Brothers movie saying, like, look, we got him coming out in Titans, put a killer story together. Like, they're all focusing on, like, we're trying to set up these heroes for the movies and televisions, and I, I feel like they're falling short. Oh, I, I totally think that. Obviously, you know, with Yara Floor, like, that's what they're pushing because she's getting her own show already, and they announced that she was getting her show even before the comic came out. The new Wonder Woman, Yara Floor, isn't bad. Yeah. I like the I like the mythos. I like that we're gonna get a, a new side of mythos, a new side of gods and goddesses, like the the Brazilian, Colombian, South American gods. I like that. I think that that's cool. That was cool. In a whole, a collective whole of what I've read so far, I have to say, eh, just like you, like it, yeah, it's it's not awful, but it's not good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, underwhelming is is the best thing to sum it up for i'm going to give it hope we've got another month to go for we're going to give a a whole episode devoted to future state once the ending we'll probably read everything except for superman versus imperious lex number three which comes out in april but in march we're going to end up talking about it but yeah i'm a little i'm a little underwhelmed yara floor i'm hopeful for but she's kind of middle of the pack right now and that's Mm -hmm. after one issue so we'll see after next week you know what number two seems to fit but What's Let's your least on. favorite now? Oh, it's uh, Cara Zor-El, Superwoman. Still haven't finished it. I got two pages into it, and I was like, yep, not not for me. Cl- closed it and hit it. Mine's The Flash. Flash sucks. Uh, Flash is, is not a near second bad to Superwoman. Like, that's leaps and bounds better to Superwoman, in my opinion. And that, I hated that storyline with the, you know, we'll not give anything away, but the new... Team Flash and all that, hate it. Hate everything. I don't think it's the writers and the art. I don't want to discredit them because they're putting a lot of heart heart and soul into this. I feel like the direction for this whole future state was unneeded. Yeah, 100%. But we'll we'll come back to that later. Let's – because we've got a topic that we need to talk about, and we're 40 minutes into our show. (laughs) Yeah. I want to get one more reaction of comic book talk, and then we'll get into Resident Alien. Star Wars The High Republic came out couple yes. weeks ago you weren't able to get the first edition so we had to wait a couple of weeks for you to get the, the second edition we would have had to wait even more if i didn't bring it to you but <laughs> I, I brought it to you you've read it spoiler warning and for those who are wondering what star wars the high republic is high republic is essentially the start of the new star wars timeline it's before the fall of the jedi which is phantom menace attack of the clones clone wars and revenge of the sith and it's Build as the galaxy is at peace, ruled by the glorious Republic, and the and protected by the noble and wise Jedi Knights. As a symbol of all that is good, the Republic is about to launch Starlight Beacon into the far reaches of the Outer Rim. The new space spit station will serve as a ray of hope for all to see. But just as the magnificent Renaissance spreads throughout the Republic, so does a frightening new adversary. Now the guardians of peace and justice must face a threat. To the force, uh, to themselves, the galaxy, and the force itself. 
and we're not going to review it. We're just going to give first first reactions. You're introduced to three main characters in this universe. Keeve Trennis, who is a Padawan, who's now a Jedi. Master Skur, with two S's. Yeah. And then Master Chris, who is part of the Starlight Beacon itself. So what did you think, first reaction... We'll keep this brief because, you know, it's only been a not even a month before this came out and some people are still trying to read it. What do you think of it? I I actually enjoyed it a lot. The one thing with the Star Wars comics, I enjoy their art. It, it's simple, but I, I, I really like it. I, I did like the series or this issue a lot. It introduced new characters. The only one really is uh, Yoda <laughs> yeah. that we, we've seen before, obviously, because he's, what, 700, 900 years old, something like that. I, I, I think it's a, they're going in a good direction. Yeah, I agree. It's a good start. One issue, again, the, the new characters are great. The art's great. Recognizable characters from the before-mentioned and possibly spoiled uh, Yoda and various species like Wookiees and Rodians. I thought that was great. Like It's an Easter egg hunt for the community. So I thought that was great. We'll, once we're at a halfway point, we'll like maybe six issues into this run, we'll talk more about it. But uh, be on the be on the lookout for some High Republic stuff because there's a book out now. I think that sold out. This is in third prints already. IDW is doing a High Republic Adventures comic series, mm-hmm. and they're doing a rumored animated series on Disney Plus for the High Republic. But Chuck, we're gonna really enter spoiler territory, and I yeah. think we might have talked about spoilers. So I'm gonna say spoiler warning right here to add to a further part in the episode because I feel like I missed that. But we're going to talk about Resident Alien, which yep. is based a series on sci-fi starring Alan Tudyk, which is one episode in. We're going to talk about the, the pilot. It's based off of a Dark Horse Comics series by the same name, which came out as a four-issue miniseries in 2012. And since 2012, there have been five more miniseries like Welcome to Earth, The Suicide Blonde, The Sam Hain Mystery, The Man with No Name, and Alien in New York, and their sixth spinoff, which is currently out and was one of my pick of the weeks, I think three months ago, Your Ride is Here. We get into this world, and I'll give you the comic concept, and I'll give you the show concept, and then we'll talk about the concept. The comic is billed as living under a living undercover as a semi-retired small-town doctor a standard or stranded alien's only hope to stay off of humanity's radar until he can be rescued when he pulled into a when he's pulled into a surprising murder mystery by the town's desperate mayor and struggling police chief dr harry vanderspiegel great name learns more about the human condition than he ever wanted to acclaimed writers peter hogan who did tw- uh, 2000 ad and tom strong and then Steve Parkhouse, who did Milkman Murders and Doctor Who, deliver a truly unique sci-fi adventure tale with the heart and humor. Now, the show is much brief than that, much more brief than that. It follows a crash-landed alien named Harry, who takes the identity of a small-town Colorado doctor and slowly begins to wrestle with the moral dilemma of his secret mission on Earth. So, with those two concepts talked about, what, what do you think of the concept? I like it. I don't think it's super original, especially the the TV version. You know, an alien comes in and has to hide, and he takes over someone else's body. I don't think that part is super original, but I did like how he is a doctor and kind of forced into this. Because obviously he's not a doctor, and what was great is that uh, Harry, the alien, um, learned his English through Law and Order. 
Yeah, and like I think my favorite part is whenever he has a chance to, he goes chung chong. Yeah, yeah. At, at the very end, when he pretty much solved the death of uh, the the town doctor, and he's like dun dun, and they just kind of yeah. look at him. I was like, okay, that's great. I think he did it like five or six times in this episode. Yeah, he definitely did. And I love like that the show, and what is it? It's they call it the sci-fi murder mystery doctor drama. Yeah, the sci-fi murder mystery doctor dramedy Earth needs now. Yeah, and it's like so many. Like if you just read that at first, it's like wow, there's so much going on there. I think the very first episode they did a good job. The premise itself, like I said, I don't think is super original. I think we. I felt like I've seen it before. Like an alien comes in and tries to hide, so he tries to take over someone else's life. But the way Alan Tudyk portrayed it, I think was great. Yeah, Alan Tudyk is a gem to society, and I say that now, and hopefully nothing comes out of the woodworking that he's such a bad person, but he's fantastic in this role. He he embodies an alien who's trying to learn human emotion and human nature through law and order. I think that that was fantastic. I do have some problems because of the, the dip variations it took from the comics because I've read all the comics, so I do have some problems. But those same problems are the things I like about the series. It's very weird. The story is yeah. similar to the doctors to the to the comic, and that first scene where he's on the boat—that's page for page, right from the comics. Right. The thing that I didn't like is that he's so obsessed with trying to kill that kid. Like he showed up in his house and he tried. He's like. He tried to kill him. That doesn't take place in the comics. So, like, there's a thing, and, like, I'm not going to spoil the comics because it may spoil the series, but it's explained that there's a percentage of people who can recognize Harry as an alien. Okay. And it seems like they just put that right out in the open, and they changed a huge storyline to kind of fit this television adaptation, and I'm fine with that. It also introduces you to Sarah Tomko, who plays Ask the Twelve Trees. She's fantastic. I look forward to seeing more of her. I love the way that she plays with Alan Tudyk in this. I think they work mm-hmm. very well together. I like that the story is was very, very fluid. You know what I mean? It didn't really have a yeah. lot of – I don't think it had any dead spots. Like you're introduced to these characters. You're introduced to their backstories, their problems, the, how the town works. You've got – what do they call um, Mayor Snowflake? You get to meet him. Yeah, uh, I think Corey Reynolds is going to be the comic relief. Uh, besides Alan Tudyk, he plays Sheriff Mike Thompson. He's amazing. Big Black. Yeah, and he's like, I don't feel comfortable calling you that. Yeah, he he's like, yeah, just call me Big Black. And I'm yeah. like, what? Like, he's just he telling her, just call me Big Black. And the guy's like, yeah, I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, Mayor like, Snowflake. He didn't feel comfortable at all. And then him and the deputy, Deputy Liv Baker, they they were great together, especially in the car. When she tries to put music on, and he was like, "No, no music," and then he like he's like, "I got your music," and he starts beatboxing, and then she starts doing a trumpet with her mouth. Yeah, and I was like, "This is so weird." Like, it's great. Like, I love the comedic tone, but it was I was like, "It's weird as shit." Yeah, I mean, this show is perfectly set up for multiple seasons. They can they have six arcs. They could do each arc by season. Like, it's very very. You you can't get seven seasons out of four issues. You know what I mean? So they could solve this, and they could go into Suicide Blonde, and he can go into, you know, he goes to New York and leaves Patience, Colorado, or whatever. I think that this is also explaining the hierarchy of how intelligent, how intelligent Harry is 
versus humans, right? The he the dichotomy of it. He said like he's way uh, more evolved than humans, and humans are a close runner up to lizards. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that just shows why this works from him being a lonely fisherman alien explorer who's lost his ship and has to walk through the snow and try and find his ship to doctor you know what i mean it translates that he's way more leaps and bounds intelligent than we we are yeah one of the one of the parts that i like is because he did he does talk at the very beginning of how like humans are stupid and then he goes wow alcohol must not affect humans as much as it does me or aliens because they would never do it again Oh my god, that bar scene was my favorite scene. Yeah, I I have to agree. But like he, because you got to look at it, he is an alien. It is a, a very you know fish out of water story, and he just really wanted to stay away from everybody. Yeah, he, he didn't want. He killed Alan Tudyk to and hid. Yeah, he just wanted to stay there, and and now I think like after he solved that murder, he you know he's more interested. Obviously, he has an end game and a goal why he was there in the first place. But I think this and also I'd like to see also more TV tie-ins. You know, when, you know, he obviously he watched Law and Order, but like maybe watch something else and it affects how he interacts with people because that's what he thinks it is. It's just through television. Yeah, like he has to testify in court and he watches Judge Judy. Yeah. Like that would be fantastic. Like I just I love that like fish out of water is perfect like the way that even like when he runs up at the end and he like opens up the cask and he's like this is a murder like this is this is not a it, he thought it was a suicide then he found out it was a murder because of the tracheotomy and like the way that he like it takes him a while to process everything but once he puts it all together he gets it so you know what I mean like yeah it also glorifies doctors as being like the most prestigious earth job ever. You know what I mean? That, like, that's in all the tropes of all the old sitcoms. Like, what's your boyfriend's name? Oh, he's a doctor. Oh, he's a doctor. You know what I mean? So he came here and he became a doctor. What um, what would you grade this? What's your your you know your your geek grader on this? I'm gonna give it a nine. I give it a nine point two. So we're on, we're on the same page. I'm worried though. Cause it's sci-fi. Cause it's sci-fi, and like it <laughs> it already yep. started off pretty rocky because it was on USA. Yeah. Like. I, you know, I have Comcast, not to, not to humble brag. I have Comcast Xfinity and I can talk to my remote. And I just said, you know, Resident Alien, take me to it. You know, it took me to its leader and I hit record. And then when I played it, like the, that Thursday, I was like, USA, why is WWE NXT on? I thought the same thing. I got mad because I did the same thing. I recorded it like a couple days before and then... As soon as it came on, it was wrestling, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, And it said USA, and I was like, did it record this wrong damn thing? And then yeah. it went right into Resident Alien. I was like, okay, that's weird. Like, I know Sci-Fi and USA are parent companies, but it is kind of weird that they premiered it on USA, but it's going to be on Sci-Fi. Yeah, when, when I turned it on and, like, I looked at it, I was like, why is Finn Balor's junk centered on my TV right now? <laughs> like there's no reason like i already watched this there's no reason for this to be on my tv and i think it was a strategic play i don't know what was on sci-fi but it was probably like terracuda versus like piranha panda and no one wants to watch that i feel like this was strategic usa especially after wwe nxt gets a ton of views 
So you put yeah. your brand new series on there and you lull people in. They're like, oh, I don't, I can't find the remote after watching the Undisputed Era fight the bruiser weights or whatever. And they're like, well, I like Alan Tudyk. I like aliens. Let's watch this. And that's what you get. And they're like, oh, it's coming on sci-fi. So it's kind of like testing the market on what network this would fit on. So if this doesn't work on sci-fi, they could just bump it to USA, which would be awesome. Yeah. I didn't think about that until we just started talking about it. Nah, I like how you think because we, we talk about sci-fi all the time. And like one of the shows that we really liked was Happy. At least that got two seasons. Yeah, it got two seasons. But then like it could have went on longer. But sci-fi has a history of canceling TV shows quickly. It's so weird with sci-fi, though, because, like, we saw them at New York Comic Con, and they spent a ton of money on their setup. Yeah. You know what I mean? They had the whole top floor for sci-fi. And, like, they're giving away a bunch of free shirts, and I'm like, no wonder why you can't get me season two of Deadly Class. <laughs> like, you're spending all your money on swag. Yeah. It's just, I feel like sci-fi, we've talked about this, and we're going to continue to talk about this. I'm always worried when we review a show that's on sci-fi because i'm going to go put my sci-fi hat on and get angry i feel like it's a launching off point for a series like they'll put them out there and say like this is what we can do with a minimal budget and the rating nielsen rating may be high rotten tomatoes has given this uh i think it was in the 90s on premiere day which is great and it's saying networks pay attention to us peacock i know you need original content besides the office this show's doing well. Netflix, come on in. We saw October Faction. This is leaps and bounds better than that. So it's kind of like it's the it's a tryout for network television to say like, what can we buy when our shows don't don't work? Oh, we can buy sci-fi successful property because they can't afford a season two. Yeah, but what? Who buys sci-fi? Like, look what happened. In Deadly Class, gone. Deadly Class should be on Netflix. Like that should have been on Netflix yesterday. Happy, gone. Happy's a tough sell. Krypton gone like you know we review and talk about these shows and none has lasted more than two seasons we might be the only two watching this it's a very good possibility yeah so listen i'm gonna i'm a call to action right now call to action for our listeners if you're watching this i'm about to say deadly class if you're watching resident alien let us know on social media or on email activegeekproductions at gmail.com let us know yeah, I want to know if this is popular, because if this is popular and you're digging it, we'll talk more about it. But if not, we'll do a season review at the end when it's done and be like, oh, well, how'd you like the only season of Resident Alien? You know, it's, it's just it's disappointing because I love Alan Tudyk and I hope that he successfully navigates sci-fi's weird algorithm of what's successful and what's not, because he's got another show coming on there, like that weird animated show, Devil May Care or something like that. Okay. And uh, I think they showed a preview for that on there. And it was like, oh, Alan Tudyk's on this one, too. I was like, oh, okay. But I just hope this is successful. 9.2 for me, 9.0 for you. I'm excited, man. I I feel like this has a a more successful future than some of the other stuff we've reviewed on sci-fi. I hope it does. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to get the active geek curse. Maybe. I mean, like I said, what show show have we talked about from sci-fi last? We've, We've talked about Krypton and Happy. They got two seasons. Where Krypton should have got more, but I think that's more of a Warner Brother DC kind of story that they didn't want to tell anymore. Yeah. Happy, the weirdest show, I'm surprised I got two seasons where Deadly Class didn't. And maybe that's because Christopher Maloney is a fantastic actor and Alan Tudyk is just on the same page as Christopher Maloney. And maybe that's what they're banking on. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, we talked about this before. 
Alan Tudyk is perfect in this role, and so was Christopher Maloney in in Happy. So you know they there was two very good lead strong lead actors. You know, hopefully this has a little more success in Happy. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad if Christopher Maloney showed up on the show. No, um, I think this is a little more Happy. Happy was a hard sell. Happy was very weird, very uh, dark, and very graphic. Yeah, it was an adult show, so it was definitely an MA, which is harder to sell to families. Yeah, uh, you know, this is, you know, isn't a super family show, but, you know, what sci-fi shows are. But I I think it's an easier sell than Happy. Yeah, absolutely. I could see this being a, you sit down with, like, your teens and watch this together, as opposed to, like, you don't sit down and watch it with Happy. I do want to say the alien design the head is a little weird. I like that he had little hands. He had yeah, a little, I mean, it's, it's little, amazing. He has your head and, like, a Barbie doll hands. Yeah, but he had four sets of hands. That was awesome. He had, like, regular He's hands. He's like Goro. Yeah, it was like an alien Goro. She did say it was like, that's kind of weird. You know, overall, I, I think it's great, and I hope it continues. I'll, I'll continue to watch it every week. But it got ten episodes, so we've got ten weeks to talk about it. But that's it, man. We're going to get out of here next week is uh, the beginning of huge episodes for us because uh, it's Black History Month. I believe it's International Women's Month is February as well. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up. But next week, we are going to venture into the world of Milestone Comics slash media, which is going to be huge. So if you don't know anything about Milestone Comics or or media, that's fine. A lot of people forgot about milestone so this may be a refresher this may be an introduction and it's going to be a fun episode you're going to learn about their characters because they are poised for a huge 2021 and beyond they're going to have some great stuff coming out then we've got uh, a valentine's day episode which may be turned into uh 10 10 to 12 female characters that you should be reading or should know about we've got a monica rambo episode which is going to be super dope we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up so be on the lookout for that, but in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. We're the Active Geek on Instagram, Active Geek underscore on Twitter. We've got an Active Geek Facebook page. Not a lot of things go down there besides reposts from social medias, but the numbers count, so please like that. Chuck's on Instagram at Chuck underscore the Active Geek. AG Cosplay, uh, she's been mentioned. She's got a Facebook or an Instagram page too at AG Cosplay. You can follow our network, Active Geek Network which has another show called the Galaxy Wars Podcast. We just talked to Cobra Kai Season 3 with a little bonus WandaVision. That episode is live. And then next week we're going to be talking about Soul, which is going to be a great episode. And you can watch or you can listen to Wanda Watch every single Saturday where Chuck and I, mainly me, put a tinfoil hat on. Chuck listens and reacts to all of the Easter eggs and all the happenings from WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. This Saturday, we're going to be talking about episode number five, which is more of a halfway point than we wanted to be at, but we're going to talk about it, and we're pumped for that. So be on the lookout and listen to the previous episodes, too, if you haven't listened to it. After all that, Chuck, we're finally ready to go home. For the Active Geek Podcast, I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out. Come, come.